1: This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio.
2: All right, everybody. What a day. What a week. Uh, Man, what a year. Uh, This is Bloomberg Business Week on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser along with Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent of Bloomberg Radio and TV, host of Bloomberg Sound on June Grosso legal analyst and host of Bloomberg Law on Bloomberg Radio on the phone in New York City. Kevin, I mean, he's like, can we have some fun with this introduction? Uh, I thought we were having fun.
3: (laughs) We're always I'm always having fun when I'm with Carol and June. But I mean, you know, it is kind of crazy when you think about it's only Thursday. The president got diagnosed with covid-19 just a month ago. (gasps) That's crazy. Seriously. I know. Isn't that
2: nuts? Well, I feel like your whole, you know, the way you think about time this year has changed dramatically, but you're right. Like think about that was controlling the news cycle. We were all trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean for the election? What does that mean? We wished him well, we're glad he recovered, but
4: that could have been a game changer as well. Do you remember impeachment? That was like another lifetime. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even mentioned during, during this election debates or anything. So it's, It's amazing what's happened in a short span of time. And here,
3: this will blow your mind. The president was impeached in January.
4: Yeah, exactly. Only Jan. it seems
2: like a year ago. Well, it was a lifetime ago. ago. If you think about what's happened since then in terms of COVID hitting us, uh, that coming to the forefront, uh, racial inequalities and injustices, we have had so much to deal with uh, as a public.
3: The Philadelphia Eagles off to a rough start. Now they're turning it
2: around. Giants not doing so well. That's my team. Well, no All
3: one right. likes the Giants. Go
4: ahead. Oh, <laughs> it, I like the Giants. I love the Giants. All right. Well, let's let's see what our next team and has to Jets say. Um, I want to bring in
2: two people because as we continue to watch the headlines crossing uh, the Bloomberg fast and furiously, we've got a great roundtable. Roger Fisk is with us in West Virginia, Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. He's Democratic strategist, longtime President Obama aide, principal of New Day, Strategy. Matt Gorman also with us on the phone in D.C., VP at Targeted Victory. That's a digital marketing company used by both the political and business world. He's a former communications director for the NRCC. We're talking about the National Republican Co- Congressional Committee. So we got people from both sides of the aisle here, essentially. So let's bring him in. Roger, I want to start with you. I mean, God, we're still kind of waiting and waiting. We were just debating earlier among the three of us that we might not know until maybe through the weekend or next Week, how do you see it? What's important? What are the important issues right now, in your view?
5: Well, Carol, thank you so much for having me on. I always have a bone to pick which Kevin. Always tries to. Oh have no! In, in these slow news weeks. Here we <laughs> go, <laughs> Roger. Done.
3: Love You're not sarcasm. even on air for 30 seconds, and he's already taking pot shots at Cirilli. I see your style, Roger. Go
5: ahead, buddy. And just so you know, just so you know, my plan: I'm going to start with one, and I'm going to end with one. Just so you know how I'm coming. <laughs> <out>. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Fair yeah, enough. Game on. Carol in, in June and, and Kevin, and it's always great to be on with Matt. I mean, you know, I, I'm to the point now. First, I want to associate my, myself with the comments from Ab Stoddard in your previous segment because I think they were excellent. Yeah. Um, but I'm to the point now where, you know, I, I just never believed that the bottom has completely redefined itself, right? So, like, for example, we all know that the Republican state legislature could actually take it upon themselves to obviate the will of the people and assign their own electors, right? So to, to, to think that we're just, you know, uh, rounding the, 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 the corner, to use a, a phrase of the, of the president, uh, you know, we just never know. It, it could get much, much weirder. Um, But for now, you know, I want to put myself firmly in the camp of letting the process work out, all those other cliches, just about count every other vote, and every vote, and et cetera, because I think that's important, and I think it's very important for all of us to have a calm, kind of responsible mindset and not give in to kind of the instant gratification or also the reacting to whatever happens on the minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis. There's a lot going on. And for the sake of, you know, the the sanctity of our vote, I think we just need to stay calm and let these folks do their jobs.
3: Agreed. Well, throughout the next hour, I think we're going to explore several of those themes, especially the legal strategies that are brewing behind the scenes. This even as Joe Biden just speaking within the last hour for about less than three minutes, urging patience, urging calm, as Roger Fisk just outlined to us. Roger Fisk, mind you, is a longtime aide to former President Barack Obama, and we're thrilled to have him for the hour. Matt Gorman, let me first, though, pivot to policy, though, and specifically from a business perspective for Main Street and Wall Street. But from a Main Street perspective, the longer this election volatility and uncertainty continues on, the less likely it is, Matt Gorman, to get to some type of fiscal stimulus deal in the lame duck am i wrong matt
6: well i actually think our answer was already has already been answered in a way and look let's 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 take a step back right i think a lot of democrats and i think a lot of people in general expected joe biden to win the presidency i think what they didn't expect or what they also expected was democratic control of washington that is unlikely now uh with republicans most likely holding the senate so the hours and hours we all expended talking about court packing and, you know, trillions in new spending, corporate tax hikes, all that's essentially moot right now. And you, let's, we don't know who the president is, and we already you know, know that. Let's, for the sake of argument, say it's Joe Biden. Not only does it obviously affect how he picks his cabinet and who can get through the Senate under um, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, it also to your point, Kevin, affects a COVID relief deal. It is likely I, to be much more modest. You know, it might be kind of, it reminds me of those old fiscal cliff or yeah. debt ceiling negotiations where it's Biden and McConnell in a room just figuring out what they can pass.
4: And, and Roger, what do you think the likelihood is of a fiscal stimulus in the lame duck
5: I mean, I, I I agree with with Matt's uh, point that we're, we're basically at a complete reset, right? Because now that people have a have a decent sense, even just in the context of the Senate and the House, about what January looks like, it changes how people are going to behave in December, and I think it's going to moderate um, possibly Speaker Pelosi's vision of what's feasible. So you might have something that's just dialed back, you know, in very surgical. Uh, looking at extension of unemployment, um, trying to bring a little bit more stability to the um, to the uh, rent and uh, eviction moratorium that was mainly done by executive order, and that's just kind of difficult to, to enforce as law. I, I would hope that after this, uh, after the election is fleshed out, there's going to be obviously a week or so of ventilating, and that when they come back for their lame duck session, that cooler heads prevail, and something relatively moderate, but relatively common sense, uh, is produced, which is, uh, ironically, exactly the way the system is produced to work.
2: All right, guys, sit tight for a second because we got to do a little bit of news. But we're going to come back with Roger Fisk, Democratic strategist, as Kevin mentioned, longtime President Obama. Aid, principal of New Day Strategy. Matt Gorman, also with us, VP at Targeted Victory. Uh, and he's also former communications director for the NRCC. So we're going to get back to them uh, in just a moment. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week on this Thursday. Let's get a check on world and national news. Over to Ed Baxter in San Francisco.
1: Hey, guys. Hey, Carol. Hey, Kevin and June. Listen up, too. Uh, the Trump campaign is now saying it has the right to look at every vote in Pennsylvania. Uh, You don't think that that might slow things down. Georgia officials are now saying that it looks as if there'll be a recount. You don't think that's going to slow things down. Uh, The official count to end of the recording. Now, the Associated Press election tally has remained constant now for, well, just about a day. Uh, Four states outstanding, Nevada, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia. Um, Now, AP has called Arizona for Biden, but that still can be fluid. The quickest end, it would appear, to 270 today is if Pennsylvania falls to Biden. He has been closing the gap with votes coming in from urban areas. Mr. Biden making a brief statement today urging patience.
5: But that patience has been rewarded now for more than 240 years with a system of govern- governance and that's been the envy of the world. And we continue to feel, Senator and I, we continue to feel very good about where things stand. We have no doubt that when the count is finished, Senator Harris and I will be declared the winners. So I ask everyone to stay calm, all the people to stay calm. The process is working. The count is being completed, and uh, we'll know very soon.
1: Now, mention to you what uh, the Trump campaign is saying in Pennsylvania. Uh, Corey Lewandowski, who is a former campaign manager in Pennsylvania, says that the vote count there is basically a sham.
5: This makes it look like a kangaroo court. We deserve better, and we're not leaving until we witness every single vote that transpires in here.
1: But the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, says it's all above board. Counting legal ballots in a legal manner... So Pennsylvania officials say they hope to have votes counted by the end of the day. North Carolina remaining very steady. Pennsylvania saying they hope to have the votes counted. As I say, Nevada, if AP projections are correct, would give Biden the 270 needed. Attorney General Joe Gloria there says it is a longer count progress, probably not till Saturday or Sunday. Those
6: ballots that are coming in through the U.S. mail or that are
1: being cured will be a small number, and we will continue to put those in. But the bulk of our ballots we're hoping will be read by saturday or sunday this weekend now nevada's leading biden in uh, leaning i should say biden in georgia the trump lead has been systematically being eaten away uh, voter manager gabriel sterling we've come down to approximately 47,277 ballots uh, still outstanding That are with the counties currently and just one more note arizona called for biden by ap the margin has been narrowing toward trump so if that goes away pennsylvania or georgia then we'll most probably decide in san francisco i'm ed baxter all right back to you guys
2: Really appreciate that update, Ed. Thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. I'm here with Kevin Cirilli, also June Grosso of Bloomberg, and our guest at this hour, Roger Fisk, Democratic strategist, longtime President Obama aide, Matt Gorman, also with us, vice president at Targeted Victory. He was a former digital director for Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. Matt, I got a question for you. Do you think Republicans, are you as a Republican happy that, you know, the president is out there
6: fighting for this vote? Do you think it's justified? Here's the problem I find with 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 that argument it is it's hard to reconcile uh, a pretty good night for Republicans down ballot, right? We mm-hmm. kept the Senate when I think not a lot of people thought we would. We gained a ton of seats in the House when people were expecting us to lose a ton of seats in the House, and so ballot fraud can't be only on one little part of the ticket, but then everything else is you know, fine for us. I tell you, let's pretend, you know, if Dems were messing with ballots, they did a pretty bad job of it. They must have forgot to do everything, but, you know, everything after the top of the ticket. So it's hard to, um, if you're a Republican, square that circle. And I think that's why you're not seeing a lot of Republicans, aside from the legal argument, uh, you know, however, you know, you might feel about them, go out in front of this because they recognize that if you're into a ballot count and review ballots, they're reviewing the whole ballot not just That's one a, uh,
3: position. Right. That's such an point. interesting point. And yep. I want to get I want to get Matt and uh Matt and Roger, to respond to each other here. So, Rod, R- Roger, you're going to go second, buddy, because I'm going to start with Matt for a second. And, and just, folks, if you're joining us, we are awaiting Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Brockford to hold a press conference uh, just momentarily. So, if we interrupt, if Carol interrupts either one of them, uh, we just want to get some updates on what's happening in Pennsylvania. But who had a better night, folks? Was it Mitch McConnell or Speaker or Leader McConnell or Speaker Pelosi? Uh, and, Roger, answer right after, uh, after Matt Gorman. Matt who had a better night mcconnell or pelosi
6: well mcconnell because he keeps his current job uh, you know uh and, and as we saw democrats just had a uh, a conference call internally and let's just say they were less than happy with uh, speaking <laughs> pelosi that's my short answer i agree roger. i agree roger you There's, agree
3: okay. well that in was our easy group chat in, in no. our yeah, group
4: chat I'm in my... so discord here In in our group chat, I I said I'm going to to pit them against each other.
2: Yeah, Kevin, you failed me. I'm just going to say, kill (laughs) Kevin's mic, kill kill Kevin's mic. No, but listen, I think this is really important right now because as Americans, like, we want to make sure our voting process is secure. And I I agree that if you need to recount, do the recounts. Let's make sure that when we finally come to a decision. But it is interesting that you do look at what happened in Congress, what happened in the Senate seats. I mean, it really does say uh, that America, you know, do we question those votes as well in this process um i don't know roger what changes going forward or what needs to change when it comes to the election process
5: well it is another interesting insight into kind of the kind of primal scream uh mentality of the of the president i mean in one sense he declares victory right and then he demands that certain states stop counting while clearly wanting arizona to continue to come and it's the same thing we've seen play out over the last four or five years. He's perfectly capable of positioning himself, himself as both the champion and the victim in any experience. Um, in some of the states, it's the state legislatures that actually passed laws that said you can't count mail-in ballots until mm. election day. So that's one thing that I think people could could look at. But unfortunately, it's one of those eye-the-beholder things, right? No, no matter how you do this, Someone's going to be able to say, well, they started counting these before Election Day, so that's where the mischief was, or they only started counting them on Election Day, and that's where the mischief is. So I think there's part of, a, part of the frustration or at least the capacity for people to find human flaws in it is kind of baked in the cake, and then it's just a question of the vantage point of different groups and constituencies to pick what that human component is and then mm. blow it up and make it like it's part of some larger design.
4: Matt, I think you made a a great point about the down ballot count if Trump starts contesting these different elections. And so I just wonder if you see a coherent strategy with these lawsuits. Carol mentioned that some seem to be contradictory, asking for a recount somewhere and stopping the vote. Others, do you see a coherent picture of what the Trump campaign is trying to do
6: no, but how is that get <laughs> for most other things they do? And I don't mean that as a uh, hit, but I think that's just a fact. Um, look, I, I also think, though, it is, they're in a different spot than, almost, than most other times where this has been an issue, right? Let's, let's take a step back. Let's look at 2000 with Florida. There was one state, one, where that, that we were fighting over. And, heck, there were, like, maybe a handful of counties we were fighting over. It was very centralized, easy to get a narrative. Easy for each side to work the media because everyone agreed in the battle. There's four states here. Um, it is a very different case, and there's different strategies, right? If by if if we keep uh, stop counting the votes, uh, Trump loses Arizona and wins Pennsylvania. If we keep counting the votes, he loses Pennsylvania but maybe wins Arizona. Right. So there, it's not a right. It's not a cohesive strategy because you know for many many reasons.
2: So do they need – you know, Kevin, you were talking about this earlier about Jared Kushner, uh, the president's son-in-law, right, looking for someone, um, you know, to kind of organize it all like we saw in 2000. And I had read something about that, too, as well. And I I do wonder, is that – Matt, what's lacking here?
6: Well, I I see your point, right, and and to have a James Baker-type person. But correct looking beyond that, right? I looked – I saw the other night or just the other uh, hour – they have the Biden, the Biden legal team, it's Solicitor General, it's you know former Attorney General Eric Holder, the Bush legal team in 2000, three of them, three of them are on the Supreme Court right now. And they're not, they weren't the top people, okay? And, and here we have Rudy Giuliani, we have, <laughs> no. you know, random people. It's not even a matter of a James, you know, we got, you got the Trump, you know, guys. Like, but they did have some James really Baker. serious...
2: They well, did have some they really serious
4: litigators yeah. in their yeah. war room, though. I don't right. know what happened.
2: It's kind of business uh, as the, usual yeah. for the Republican team, and, and I'm not being critical, but I mean, this is what we've seen the last four years. The president really kind of harnessing his his go to people to kind of make the fight.
4: But but correct you, me if you, I'm, you are, I'm wrong, Roger. Right. But didn't didn't? Or maybe I should ask Matt this. Didn't the Republicans, they both had these war rooms with litigators ready to go. And some of the names that Republican had, had were really, really top names. I don't know where they went.
6: Real, real quick, I, I don't mean it to take up more time. You are fighting for your political life. You are yeah. fighting for the presidency. You don't want the Star Wars canteen hanging out, okay, getting this done.
0: And I will say, I
2: think, I, and I, can I just say that I, you know, this is very much Donald Trump, you know, the real estate magnet. This is, you know, a lot of litigation and, and a fighter, and it's very much, you know, Kevin. That's his playbook.
3: Well, it is his playbook, and I and I think to to some extent he's already been preparing for a legal battle for quite some mm-hmm. time, and and so I'm very hesitant, truthfully, folks, to, to make any sort of, of rush judgment here, uh, or, or or to call this to call this race or or to say anything about it, simply because we have to follow the developments, follow the story, remain objective. And that's where I wanna go to Roger Stone. What is the risk for the Biden campaign to get out there and and only give a brief statement uh, and to, to essentially not publicly, privately, based upon my reporting, I can tell you they've got a war room, as June just alluded to, of legal strategists, thousands uh, across the country, uh, carefully monitoring and watching every state, so to speak. And there's a strategy behind Joe Biden coming out and giving brief statements. But what is the risk, Roger Fisk, to not fighting the cable news cycle, so to speak, uh, uh, tit for tat uh, with President Trump uh, on the issue of this emerging litigation across the country on the votes
5: well first off i was thrilled when you said roger stone was you know the recipient of your question because i thought this was going to become <laughs> a much more interesting show but, you know, he's you know, been on the show Hey,
3: astute uh, listeners I, 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 know that he's been on this program go ahead I'm, i you know for me a lot of this
5: gets back to kind of a fundamental kind of competence narrative which i think has been running throughout this entire experience The conversation about having, you know, a top-tier kind of legal character to be their point person should have happened somewhere around August of 2019, right? Like, this, this stuff should have been baked in with a full binder for each and every single state and everything else. For me, it kind of gets back to, you know, between the Woodward books and the Wolf books and everything else. When these guys got in, you know, there was Bannon and Miller and they like googling how to write executive orders and stuff which is why the muslim ban and stuff was so sloppy and why all the judges kind of laughed at it and stuff so i just don't think that they have really come at the governing part of this or the policy or the stuff that doesn't happen on camera with the level of seriousness that they put into the stuff that happens on the camera um to talk brief- answer briefly your question about the biden campaign you know, I think it is emblematic of their strategy thus far, which is if, you, if, you're, if the TV screens across the country are full of the president positioning himself as both the victim and the victor, which is incoherent and discordant by definition, you have Rudy kind of running around, you have these weird drive-bys by Matt Slap and Rick Brunell and things like that where they're running away from cameras and stuff, you don't actually need to do that much. So that's why I think it was right. brilliant that the former vice president... You know, just had a three-ring binder, and he went into a virus <laughs> briefing, and he was—he had his head down, and he's like, I'm focused on the nuts and bolts that matter to the American family, and we'll let the clown show just work out and keep being well, a clown show.
2: Exactly, and forgive me, and I'm probably going to get a lot of tweets thrown at me, but... To be fair, it felt very presidential. I just got a briefing on the virus, and I got—I just got a briefing on the economy. All right, we do want to take you to Pennsylvania, where we are getting an update. Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bookmore incredibly, incredibly on the hard.
7: general election. Hundreds of thousands of ballots have been counted so far today, um, and we're in very good shape. Um, but there's still, still some to count, so they are working incredibly hard. They're going to keep counting into the evening and you know stay tuned so um let's see we have uh, we've been reaching out we've been very closely in touch with all 67 counties making sure that they're reporting on as regular basis as possible i know all of you everybody around the country around the state are are eagerly awaiting and i can tell you the counties are too they are really taking their time making sure that every single voter in the Commonwealth who has cast their ballot is having those ballots accurately and securely counted. So, um, you know, as you know, um, we're going to keep counting uh, military and overseas ballots, I think, are coming in. Those will continue to be accepted through next Tuesday. Um, There are obviously provisional ballots that will have to be counted as well after the initial round of ballots. And, you know, I think whatever, whatever the outcomes are, I can tell you that I'm so proud to work with the 67 counties, the election officials, who are just doing an amazing job getting these counted accurately and securely. So I am happy, I think, with that to take your questions. Yes.
2: You've been listening to Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bookvar, uh, getting ready to take some questions. Again, a very quick statement. I mean, basically what we have had the message from uh, various state officials is that we are continuing to do the vote. We're going to do the vote as long and count it as long as it takes to make sure that it is accurate. Uh, And that's why we've been talking a little bit about we might not have an outcome for several days, uh, and that's for certain. All right, let's get back to our guests. I'm Carol Masser along with June Grosso and Kevin Cerelia Bloomberg. Roger Fisk is with us, Democratic strategist, Matt Gorman, a Republican strategist, uh, joining us uh, on the phones right now. So, you know, it's interesting, we were just kind of sharing back in our IB chat, and I do want to get back to this, that I think there is a point, we are living in a society where there's pandemic fatigue, people are tired of being locked in their homes, and to some extent there might be some fatigue about the the. volatility that we've had with this administration. And Matt, would you concede that maybe people are looking for, which might explain, maybe while they let, you know, what happened in Congress versus what might happen in the White House, ultimately, that people are just tired and want
6: some normalcy? Oh, 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 I think absolutely. I think that that has been the case uh, for a year or so, right? And what I mean by that is Joe Biden was talking about that before the pandemic. I think before the pandemic, that was one of his most common, in my opinion, effective, Arguments on the stump uh, that you don't have to think about me if I become president. I, I think that's absolutely the case. The pandemic evolved things a bit, but that's something I think has been very effective for him.
3: Can I just go? Let me, Roger. Uh, let me let me ask you this: What is President Trump's, from a strategic standpoint, what is he doing right at the moment in terms of keeping the election alive, Roger Fisk?
5: I mean, in all in all honesty, I, I don't. You know, once you have a Trump-Pence banner in the East Room where Abraham Lincoln laid in state, it's, it's pretty tough for me to find something that this individual is doing right in this situation. Well, I, I I mean, I, I, and you know in the past I've been willing to say what I think he is. I like playing a disruptor role in our relationship with China. Elements of that were healthy. I'm not incapable of, of, of sharing something like that, but based on the last, you know, 72 hours or something, I'd be hard-pressed to find, even on a tactical level, separating yourself from content, its I'd be hard-pressed to find something that I would recommend anyone else do, or would even provide counsel to him to do. Well, he's dragging it out. I mean, he's
3: dragging it out, and when you drag it out, you're not dead, Matt. Same question to you. What's President Trump doing correct from a strategic standpoint at this point?
6: It's hard to say. I mean, maybe, maybe preventing Joe Biden from being 270? I... I Look, I, I, I don't that's, know. That's a big point. thing. That's yeah. a big thing. I guess it matters, you know. But look, coming out at, at election night, his speech was, was, was not appropriate. Um, and look, I got to tell you, how crazy that Donald Trump, the ubiquitous president, came out every day during the pandemic in press conference. He hasn't seen the guy since election night. I think that's very interesting. What's up with that?
2: Wait, let's just follow. We just got a, a, about 30 seconds, 40 seconds here. Matt, what's going on with that? I was just Googling to be like, when was the last time I saw Trump? And it was election night, correct? Yep.
6: Uh, yes. I, and I don't I have no idea. Maybe the only reason I'm thinking is to shine the spotlight on the press conferences in the states with Rick Grinnell, as you're saying, and Rudy. But I, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. I'm mystified by that. Yeah, I don't know.
2: It's really fascinating. Um, it's just another fascinating component to this campaign and election into this year. Hey guys, really, that
4: he just stopped. Yeah, you know, he, all his I, all his appearances every day, every day, and now where well, is he?
2: And no matter how you feel about this president, I mean, I think most would concede that he is really a master, really brilliant when it comes to understanding media and social media uh, in terms of getting messages out. Um, Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, We're going to come back in just a moment with Roger Fisk and Matt Gorman.
3: So, Roger, I'm going to start with you. It has to be or you're going to get me in trouble. And don't get me in trouble because you have in the past. uh, What is on your (laughs) radar related to the election, Roger Fisk?
5: Well, very quickly, you know, when James Baker came out and said that, you know, the Trump campaign should let the vote come uh, be counted, I trust you all realize what just happened, which is that the deep state just gained one member. That's that's what just happened You know, when he, <laughs> when, when he, when he came out and said, no, but so uh, this is election-related, Kevin, so your heartbeat can come down just a little bit. Thank but you. wait, 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 but That's
2: a, but that's really important, Roger. Is that significant, James Baker, when someone like that
5: comes out and says it? Well, you know, I think the way the Trump culture works is he says two plus two is five and everyone around him says, yeah, it's five. And then one person raises their hand and says, actually it's four. And they're just like deep state, <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it, they can, they the, 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 bucket of deep state is just permanently elastic, right? Yeah. It can expand to incorporate anyone. Um, and the, 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 the threshold between not being deep state and being deep state is whether or not you agree with the president when he says these odd things. Um, to Kevin's point, and I'll try to do this very, very quickly, I maintain, and I maintain this now more than ever, especially in the context of the House and the, and the un, unmet expectations in the Senate, the Democrats, no matter what happens with um, the Biden-Harris ticket, the Democratic Party really needs to come up with a new way of talking about success. They have, uh, in, in, and I think that they have lost the, the way to speak about success in a broad way that can still incorporate all the social justice goals, that can still incorporate lifting minorities, that can still incorporate expanding opportunity, but they've lost that capacity to speak that in a way that can embrace everyone. And I go back to Paul Wellstone's very, very simple thing his saying, which is so true, at least on our side of the aisle. Everyone does well when everyone does well. Yeah. And it's not that complicated, but I think that kind of reckoning has to happen on our side because we've sliced and diced and parsed and micro-targeted, et cetera. So we've almost, the, the, the muscle of the Democratic Party that can speak about success and wealth generation and things like that within the context of traditional democratic values really has to be reignited and rebooted because I think it is essentially vanished um, at this point.
3: That's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. And I love the Paul Wellstone shout out, uh, especially given that although I'm thinking back to uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar Hmm. campaign, when she always used to give him a shout out on the campaign trail because she got her start for with Paul Wellstone. Okay,
6: Matt Gorman, what's on your radar? All right. Real quick, uh, Brendan Boyle made a point about a mandate uh, that Biden would come in with a mandate. He's absolutely wrong because for the first time in 32 years, a president Biden or a, a president, period, would, not, would come in with not control, a complete control of Congress. H.W. Bush in 88 was the last person to do it. But uh, I what's on my radar is we end as we began, with John Ossoff down in Georgia in an effective <laughs> special election uh, that will get lots of money and lots of outside attention. Um, and I'll tell you right now, between those two races, the Leffler-Warnock race and the Ossoff-Purdue race, a lot of money. Hundreds of millions of dollars going to flow down to Georgia over the next couple of months. Well, um, a let lot me follow
3: of staff, up
5: everything.
3: here. Yeah. yeah, let me follow up here because I think if, if you're if you're following the final tally of the Senate, this is incredibly important. Which is that we might not have the final tally. We won't have now the final tally in the Senate until January 3rd, I believe, is when that runoff election down in uh, Georgia is scheduled. And just that one senator vote could really, really impact, uh, Matt Gorman, to follow up here, the dynamics of whomever, the whatever the outcome is at the presidency, the dynamics of the Senate. And that one Senate vote, as we've seen just in the last couple of years, can really, really make a huge difference, Matt Gorman.
6: Absolutely. And and, and the gentleman who's running against Kelly guy named Raphael Warnock, he is the pastor at MLK's Old Church. And, you know, when they usually have candidates run down in Georgia, Democrats, especially ones who've gotten the runoff, old white guys, this Is a young African-American, can he get turnout in the Atlanta area, right, in some of the urban centers of African-Americans who normally wouldn't come out for a January special runoff? That could be something I've watched very, very closely. That's a new paradigm down there. And um, with Stacey Abrams, work she's been doing, again, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, I'm watching very closely.
3: It's going to be remarkable. June Grasso, my friend, June, what is on Kevin your radar? Kevin
4: All right. As I will be watching, as is my want, the Supreme Court, because Um, President Trump's campaign asked the court to immediately help in the disputed election in Pennsylvania. The court gave the Democrats until this afternoon to file a response. The Democrats said, we don't care if Trump intervenes, but don't take this. Those votes may not matter in the election. So, the justices were listening, and now we're going to see what they do. Do they actually move to intervene now, or do they wait and see what happens and say, we don't need to? That's, that's my really radar. Remarkable. That's on yeah, the radar. No,
3: that's really huge. All right, Carol, what's on your radar?
2: Trumpism. I do wonder, just going back to Josh Green, that's the cover of the magazine, does it— if President Trump does not get a second term, does it still persist in our society? Because what an interesting year, COVID-19, uh, the racial inequities that have been you know, laid bare once again. I mean, we have some really deep divisions uh, within our country and we have a lot of people who feel left out. It explains why President Trump came to the White House in 2016, but we know that there are a lot of minorities and black people who don't feel represented by this government. You look at the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris ticket, it's certainly feels a little bit more representative of what this year has been about, but we shall ultimately see, you know, what persists longer term in terms of American politics and representing what? the American people.
3: And I think that's yeah, so What's on your important. radar? Well, I, but, but exactly. first just He's to follow up now. on, on the, I know, right. This is, <laughs> they're put, they're ganging <laughs> up on me. And now it's like, what is it? It used to only be the panel against one. Now it's four against one. Man, I, I, uh, I think for Trumpism though, What I'm really going to be interested in is regardless of the outcome over the next few days or or weeks, dare I say, I know I don't want to get anybody on edge. But regardless of that, there's going to be an open primary on the Republican side in just four years in 2024. And so typically the way that those primaries go is you've got certain candidates jockeying for the base and in this case the base is being defined as the trump base and so that's why i'm very hesitant to say that trumpism is going anywhere because i you can but guarantee trump just may, look at the map in iowa right go ahead trump June. may be
4: in the, trump may be according to yes. you know we just talked to the, the business week article trump may be one of the people in that in that race i so couldn't wait,
2: agree with you more we didn't in lose
4: 2024. you we still have
2: roger with us right
3: yeah no, I love Roger.
2: And we, both, and we still have, we have both <laughs> well, of them still with us. Well, you're listening to us. And I just, you know, I don't know. I, the race isn't over. I do wonder when we get on the other side of this, you know, wh- how do we need to? First of all, I think it's great that I feel like more Americans are engaged in politics at this point. We've seen both the Trump side and the Biden side bring in voters that hadn't voted for years. So, you know, Roger, what is, you know, what is American politics when we get on the other side?
5: Well, you know, it's, I mentioned earlier about my uh, my the fact that the Democrats need to come up with a new way of speaking about success and things like that. The reverse is true for the Republicans because, you know, it's going to be very difficult for them to go out and talk about fiscal discipline, uh, character, honesty, family values, small government, things like that, after they've essentially surrendered the main pillars of their brand over the last four years and thrown in. I mean, I, I was working in the Senate during impeachment and you could take some of those floor speeches about President Clinton and apply them now. And, and no one would even you couldn't find anyone in the Republican Party that would be willing to apply those standards to President Trump. All of that is gone. They've surrendered the main pillars of their brand. So the Democrats need to find new footing when they talk about success. But the Republicans need to figure out how they've drifted so far such that they're unrecognizable at this point. And with a right. field of twenty twenty-four people starts to talk about balanced budgets, i'm gonna laugh and laugh and laugh
2: <laughs> yeah i've seen this movie before matt matt gorman what what do american politics what do they need to be
6: where do they go from here well real quick trump is going to speak at 6:30 p.m they just announced so yep. there, there there is there is where he is but uh i don't know i, I don't know Man. the answer to that wow. and, and i think that's my honest answer um i don't know i will say i think joe biden uh and Pelosi and Schumer will have a huge leftward pull from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the Squad, Bernie Sanders. Um, I think it's going to resemble in a lot of ways like what we saw with the Tea Party in the 2010s in my party, where they Biden and the others are going to have to really thread a needle between um, on policy, you know, and, and trying to get things done, even just must pass bills. I think it could be governing by crisis, and you want to talk about the markets? Yeah, you know, I think you're. I think we're going to be in store for the same sort of volatility. Um, you know, we might not be fighting over the debt ceiling, but shut down, you know, that, that sort of thing that we had during the Obama era.
3: Yeah, interesting. Kevin,
2: we don't right, let you do your
3: radar. Yeah. You know, here was on my radar pizza. Did you see this? <laughs> Please, Bloomberg Terminal. Yes. We've there been actually huge, talking about
2: it all day. Yeah, go there ahead. There was
3: a huge spike. Papa John's analysts they put out a statement huge spike in pizza sales on election night so if there's one thing Carolyn, june roger and matt that americans agree on it's you gotta have pizza on election night and let me tell you something i didn't get it
4: but my diet i didn't get it i told our ep
3: christine barata i said where's my pizza (laughs) you know not to be a diva but i want some pizza go ahead
4: well, I have to say, I
2: was going to do pizza on election night, but we do pizza on Friday night. It's pizza and wine in a movie. Oh, I do That's that. what We do. Yeah. I did growing did you, up. I, I did wine. Wa- did pizza.
3: you do wine on election night, Carol? Though? You <laughs> no. must have done some
4: wine. I, no. on I did. Night. You
3: know,
4: I did. I, did. I didn't go Why to bed. We're not at t- work right now. I didn't go to bed <laughs> till three thirty.
2: I I couldn't do wine. We just want to say oh. thank you so much to Roger Fisk, Democratic strategist, uh, longtime President Obama a principal of New Day Strategy, and our thanks to Matt Gorman as well, VP.